I'm hungry. What about opening that picnic basket? Not till we get to the picnic grounds. Which you've already picked out. Which I've already picked out. Is it far? Oh, a few miles. Lonely and secluded? Naturally. Sport, you are listening to I Saw in a Movie, an advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I am the old sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kicks, and this is my film pal, the red herring, Ryan Silverstein. And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. This episode, we are joined by Movie John's fixer, Jamie Davis. Hey, Jamie. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. Welcome to the show. Yeah, so Jamie's actually been writing for Movie John since, I believe, the inception. Um, You were brought on by our founder, Fran Friel. Yep, I worked with Fran at the beautiful Ritz at the Bourse, May It Rest in Peace, in Philadelphia. And yeah, I've been writing with you guys since the very beginning. Thanks for joining us today, Jamie. And before we get to the question, we do like to share with our listeners, um, we call this segment Flick Picks, but basically it's movies that we've watched recently that we've enjoyed and we want to share with you. Do you have a Flick Pick for this week? Uh, Yeah, I do. My fiance and I, Ashley Jane, who also writes for Movie John, we just watched Water Lilies, which is uh, Celine Siama's 2007 film, her first film, I think. And I've been wanting to watch this for a while because I love her. Well, I love the director and I love, uh, I'm going to totally butcher her name, Adele Hanel. And I loved this completely because, first of all, Celine Siama plays an annoyed McDonald's employee at one point, which is just like brilliant. I I just, I want to just watch that scene for the rest of my life. (laughs) That scene means everything to me as like a a retail food industry worker since I was 15. I just love everything about it. But I do feel like the movie does such a good job of like showing you what it's like to be a young teen kind of hanging out with people that you maybe, maybe shouldn't hang out with or, or maybe you really want to, but they're just not the right people for you. So I just, I love this movie so much. Cool. Where did you watch it at? It's on Criterion right now, I think. Criterion Channel, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, it is. And uh, Girlhood is also on there. They've been on my list to check out. I've been just prioritizing stuff that is leaving Criterion Channel soon, so I haven't gotten to them quite yet. But I'm very excited to see uh, Water Lilies because, you know, the uh, portion of the Lady on Fire is, I mean, by far the best movie I've watched in the last 12 months. So I've been looking forward to getting into her older stuff for sure. Yeah, Girlhood is so, I love Girlhood so much. So I hope you like that one too. I also have Criterion Channel, so I'll have to check that out. But I do the same thing, Ryan. I, like, go to the bottom and see what's leaving. Mm-hmm. Because then it's like, okay, now I have to watch it because it's going away. Whereas if I start at the top, it's usually the new stuff and usually have a few months till it goes off the channel. Yep, and eventually I'll catch up. I have one more that's going away this month that I need to watch yet. Um, for my flick pick for this episode, uh, I actually revisited an old favorite last night uh, for the first time in a while, and that's The Rocketeer, mm. which I do own the Blu-ray of, but I was lazy and watched it on Disney Plus because it's there. 
And, you know, I enjoy movies with a 30s, 40s kind of aesthetic to them. This one has been a favorite since I was a kid. It's directed by Joe Johnson, who I think is kind of underrated. He directed the original Jumanji and uh, the first Captain America movie that takes place during World War II, which has a very similar vibe. But this involves great performances. Timothy Dalton plays a uh, fictionalized uh, version of Errol Flynn based around the, uh, I think, false rumor that he was a Nazi sympathizer. It also features Terry O'Quinn playing Howard Hughes, which is really fun. Um, so it's just a great, it's a great caper of a movie. And the special effects still look pretty good considering, you know, it's all it's all practical stuff. So it, look, it holds up better than CGI would have from, you know, the mid to late 90s. Yeah, so I was just pulling this movie up because... Obviously, I was pretty young when it came out, but I remember the budget was huge. Mm-hmm. And then it, like, historically, it flopped, like, very badly, <laughs> like, opening weekend. Because I think Disney intended to, like, make this a series of films. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely, uh, they were pitching this around the time that Batman and Dick Tracy were coming out. And so this was Disney's stab at like, oh, all right, well, I guess if the 30s are hot, we should really, <laughs> we, we, we should get a 30s comic book movie going because The Rocketeer is based on like an independent comic book. And so, you know, it, it definitely captures that spirit of like early aviation and Hollywood. And it's it's just a really fun, uh, fun movie. Yeah, I I saw it, but a very long time ago, because Ben, my husband, was he started reading a book about movies that had like these huge budgets, and then they would end up flopping. It, the book also talked about how the movies actually weren't bad. Like it was mm-hmm. just something happened along the way, like whether it was the marketing got messed up, or, or it just didn't get marketed correctly, for that matter. But like, there was a reason why people just didn't get out and see it. But the movie was actually pretty good. I'll have to ask him what the book was, because if he remembers, I can post it on the site. I mean, big budget misfires are often some of my fa- uh, some of my favorite movies. So I would definitely be uh, interested. I think with this, you know, I mean, Jennifer Connelly isn't, you know, an unknown name. But I feel I feel like having uh, Billy Campbell anchor the movie in the title role didn't didn't help. You know what I mean? Like if they had gotten a slightly bigger star and then if you were like, oh, I want to see, you know, so whoever I, I don't know what what the 1991 star landscape really looked like at the time. But I feel like if they had gotten a slightly bigger name for the, the lead role, that that might have helped the whole movie. Oh, sure. But it's also one that like having seen it as a kid and then coming back to it now, people like Jennifer Connelly and Alan Arkin and Timothy Dalton and Paul Servino uh, and, and Terry O'Quinn, like I mentioned, like they're all people that I've seen in other things that I didn't know who they were, you know, when I was watching this movie growing up. So it's always fun going back to a movie from your childhood and being like, oh, like now I know, you know, uh, Paul Servino from Goodfellas. And that, that's always a fun thing. Cool. Well, my pick is actually an old movie as well and it's from 1978 and i highly highly encourage that you both watch this movie Uh, but it is called matilda oh god (laughs) jesus christ i'm not i'm not not gonna do it (laughs) so this no you didn't even let me explain what it is about like you're both rejecting it there's only one matilda and it's mara wilson i agree i agree there is now a new Matilda, okay, in your life. 
And this movie tells the story of an agent of sorts that discovers a boxing kangaroo. I, uh, and <laughs> Jamie. I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. I'm going to be quiet. But. So Matilda, who is from Australia, finds himself in New York City. And he basically, it, well, the movie, I'll say the story is kind of all over the place. But at the heart of it, it is about this boxing kangaroo. Okay. And there are some major highlights from the film, which I need to share with you both, because I think that will make you want to watch it. There is a scene where the kangaroo attempts to buy a hot dog in New York. Aren't they vegetarians? I don't, you know what, right? Maybe it was a tofu puff. What does he, what does he want on his hot dog? What toppings does the, does Matilda pick for his hot dog? Well, I'm not going to spoil that for you okay but just but just no and ryan he possibly was buying a veg dog because surprisingly when you go to canada the hot dog stand sell veg dogs and jamie can yeah and jamie can attest to that she knows well i can when we go to tiff yes when we go go to to tiff there are veg dogs at the hot dog stands canada is way more progressive than america is so Now, now there was another scene where, so they basically deck out this van. It's like a traveling van for the kangaroo. And on top, on the roof, they make this like bubble structure so the kangaroo can like stick out, basically like a sunroof. And when this, when this scene played, because of course there was a montage because it's a sports movie. So right. there's like <laughs> this huge montage scene. I could not stop laughing for like five minutes. Like Ben was concerned because it was just so hysterical. Like they would be driving along on the highway and the kangaroo would just pop out. And he was like looking out at the scenery, like passing by. So that was also a highlight. And then lastly was when they finally got to the boxing match he was in like a full like satin robe. It clearly was influenced by Rocky. And I looked up, this movie did occur after Rocky. So it does make sense. Like there were some major influences, but I know you both are like poo-pooing this movie, but you really should give it a try. So the the reason that I'm poo-pooing this movie is looking at the images <laughs> of the kangaroo costume. <laughs> I just can't. I cannot look at that thing. It is the stuff of nightmares. It is frightening. And I would consider watching exclusively the montage from the movie. I think I might be able to handle that. All right. Well, after we're done recording, I'm going to send you this video that someone made. Like they put audio to it and they like, you know, basically snagged a lot of the hit clips from the film. And it's fantastic. Oh, and and Robert Mitchum is in it. Uh, it's slightly enticing. And Elliot Gould. But Elliot Gould has no cool clothes that I can see in this movie. And that is depressing to me. And Mitchum, at one point, delivers the line, I love this animal. Mm. It's, it's so good. And oh, and you can watch it for free if you use the Tubi app. So it's out there streaming, just waiting. <laughs> We'll stay. Matilda calls to all of you listening. <laughs> we'll stay waiting. 
<laughs> we we ended up we watched it last night with uh, Nick Nelson, also another fellow movie genre, and he was also a guest on the show a few weeks ago. He loved this movie so much. He's going to write about it for the next scene featuring circuses and carnivals because there's a whole circus scene, of course. Of course. <laughs> Oh, and the mafia is involved too. Like this movie is wild. I understand that. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have nothing else to say. Yeah. Okay. I right. um, like I said, I, I I will maybe watch some clips, but I I don't I don't see myself uh, committing the hour forty five minutes <laughs> to Matilda. Like, why this movie is longer oh, than? Oh, that's that's actually the the IMDb may be wrong. Because okay. Tubi has it clocking in at one hour, 31 minutes. Hmm. So something, something's not gelling there. So maybe there's, there's 15 minutes of deleted scenes. There's like a director's cut floating around somewhere. Well, I already looked up about buying a physical copy. Nowhere to, nowhere to be found. Did it get a VHS release? <laughs> it did. And it's like $100 on eBay. Hmm. It's hard to track down, but I will find this movie. I will find them. I, I wish you luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I guess we're ready for the question then. Yes. Okay. Dear, I saw it in a movie. I really want to travel outside of the U.S., but I can't afford it, and now isn't the best time. What's a good movie that really makes you feel like you're traveling in another country? Bon voyage. Meet me in Paris. So, Jamie, we're going to start with you since you're the guest. Mm -hmm. How did you tackle this question? Well, when I think of wanting to travel, I don't know why. I always think of France. It's just where my mind goes. It's like, for me, the place that I always want to go to. So I have two movies. I'm only going to really talk about the one, but I do want to throw in a little plug at the end for a second one. If you have time, there's another one you could watch. Of course. Sure. Yes. My main pick would have to be uh, Alfred Hitchcock's 1955 To Catch a Thief. Have you guys seen it? Oh, yeah. I love mm -hmm. that movie. I had never seen it before because I, for whatever reason, I had missed this one. But I had read a while ago that it just was shot, you know, in the French Riviera. It was just absolutely beautiful. It's shot in Technicolor and Vista Vision. So it's just like, I mean, what more could you want? You have Cary Grant tanned for the gods he's like darker than i don't even know he's like darker than a turkey <laughs> on thanksgiving he is so tan and he's like i don't know 51 or something it's amazing how tan this man is oh my gosh when you said how he's tanned like a turkey i immediately <laughs> thought of that seinfeld episode oh yeah we're yeah. like kramer like, I don't know if you watch Seinfeld, Jamie, but like there was an episode where like he was like baking his shirt or something. Yeah. And then like Newman kept seeing him like as a turkey, like because he was so tan. <laughs> um, that's scary. That's scary in this. He's a yeah. turkey in this. And he I'm, I, he just he fits in so well in France. Like it just makes sense. It's just like. He he's wearing like these high-waisted pleated pants for most of the movie and these like stripy French shirts. But there's one scene, this glorious scene where he's swimming in these like plaid swim trunks that are, I, it's amazing. But, and then you have, then you have Grace Kelly, who's like, I mean, has 
a dinner, her dinner idea of dinner dresses are like modern women's idea of a wedding gown. Like she's going out in these beautiful dresses every night as if, I don't know, she's just like this shining pearl of a woman that like no one will ever be. She's crazy town. She's like hitting on Cary Grant. She like kisses him out of nowhere. She's like hitting on him, putting the moves on him. She drives him up and like in the, the driving scene is insane. She, I thought, I I thought she was going to kill him. Like I literally thought she was going to kill him. And she woos him over chicken and beer and a picnic. I was like, this woman is a genius. All you need to nag your man or your woman or whoever is chicken, beer, a picnic, and the French Riviera. That's all you need. You need those things. And that's it. (laughs) She is so beautiful. Like I watch her and I'm like, she doesn't seem real to me. No, she's not. She's not. Any movie like I've watched her and I'm just like, she just looks so, how was she created? I know that (laughs) sounds weird, but like, I don't understand how she can be so beautiful. And the lines in this are really great. There's some real shady, shady lines in this. Like there's a moment where like uh, Carrie's talking to this other French woman. I'm not going to get into who she is because that would be spoilery. But uh, Grace Kelly comes up and she goes, oh, I've heard so little. He's told me so little about you. It's just like the way she says these great lines, like you're a shady bitch and I love you. And like she's very much a spitfire. I think this was a character that like, you don't hear, I think when you think of Grace Kelly, most people talk about Rear Window and yes, she's great in that. And her character is very, some kind, it's a weird version of feminism in that. And I feel like in this, she is too. It's like this weird kind of heroine that like, I actually, I love you. I know you're going after a man that's like three times your age and that's gross, but this is, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that, but it's weird, but you know, I applaud you for just going, you see what you want and you just go after it. That's, it's amazing. Awesome. Well, yeah, but it is Cary Grant. Even if he does look like a turkey. (laughs) And he's, as you said, it's in France. And like, I agree when watching him in this movie, it's like he just belongs there. Uh, I don't know. Like, he, even though he's really tan, you're just like, no, it's fine. Mm -hmm. You're Cary Grant. I I will say, I. Cary Grant and Grace Kelly in that movie is less weird than um, I just watched Love in the Afternoon oh. with Audrey Hepburn, where she gets romanced by yeah. a Gary Cooper who looks freshly exhumed. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Um, like, a, like wax, Ryan. No, he's he's too craggly for wax. Wax is, <laughs> is smooth. Jamie doesn't know about my obsession with wax. This is a new thing. Oh God. Now, I watched House of Wax, and now, like, wax figurines, statues are so cool to me. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when they're melting. But, like, I imagine, like, his his face was probably like a corpse. He's very desiccated. Um. Desiccated! Ooh, that's so cold! Ooh! Ooh, Gary Cooper is, like, fuming right now. He is fuming. But you are right. You are 100% correct. It desiccated yeah. is, and I, I feel bad of what I said earlier, like love is love and all of that. But in the movies, it just feels especially weird sometimes to watch. I have to say some of these older movies. 
And if it was if if it if it wasn't such a common thing to have young like uh, Starlet and much much older actor, mm-hmm. like if that was if that was only one flavor, but the fact that we see it so often makes it creepier. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. But to Jamie's point, though, in To Catch a Thief, really, Grace Kelly is driving that relationship, like, to happen. Yeah, because Cary Grant, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, whatever, dude. I got to find the <laughs> yeah. cat. All I care about is fucking cat. That's all he cares about. Right. Like, so I feel in that regard, to me, it does feel less creepy because she's, like, bringing it onwards. Sometimes you have these situations where clearly the older man is preying on the young female and you're just like oh this is gross true i mean he was only 25 years older than her only (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like the way you described him as a corpse like now i'm just getting visions oh no no that's 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 gary cooper in uh in love in the afternoon gary grant is okay uh is at least uh aesthetically I think more, much more alive in To Catch a Thief than, <laughs> than Gary Cooper was in uh, Love in the Afternoon. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, I, I think I'll avoid Love in the Afternoon. I have not seen it. It's on Criterion through no the end thanks. of the month. I'm good. <laughs> and the other thing I like about To Catch a Thief that I think lends to the feeling of travel is there's a lot of French spoken in it. Um, just kind of off the cuff French with no translation, no dialogue. So it's kind of like, cool, you like actually kind of could pretend you are in another place. You know, I really like that. That felt a little, I don't know, just felt different to me than, than other Hitchcock movies and and other movies of that time. So I really like that too. So besides To Catch a Thief, if you have a little bit of time, I also recommend a more recent film from 2013 called Le Weekend, lesser known movie. Um, It's very, just a very quiet movie, just about uh, an old couple uh, on their anniversary weekend in Paris. And it's um, Jim Broadbent and Lindsay Duncan and Jeff Goldblum. And they kind of have a shitty weekend in Paris, but you're still in Paris and there's amazing things. And so if you want to kind of get away to Paris, I recommend that, but just know that you're on a little bit of a roller coaster ride with this older couple. And Jim Broadbent is so funny. I find him very hilarious in this. So, and Jeff Goldblum is charming as usual, but I love this movie so much. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I haven't seen that before, but I too, I like watching anything set in Paris. Like, I will watch it. Yeah, I have to agree. Paris is a, a great. A great city for film and just a great city in general. Agreed. Uh, so, Rosalie, what what did you pick for uh, to help to help our dear dear listener? I went with the 1951 Igmar Bergman film Summer Interlude, which was a new film to me, and I think for obvious reasons. If you're looking to travel outside the U.S. via cinema, then I always like feel like you want to go to a foreign film as that way to do that, at least for me, because it's really a way that you can experience another country because obviously most of the time the filmmaker is shooting the movie in their country. So you kind of get exposed to another place. But I selected this film because I purchased this huge 
and you're probably both familiar with it, but it's like a huge collection of Bergman films from mm -hmm. Criterion. Mm -hmm. And I bought it about a year or so ago. And I've probably, I don't even know how many movies are in it. Cause it's like basically his whole filmography, but I think I've watched about five or six from it. And there's like 30 some discs. So I was like, well, now is, you know, a better time than ever to try to work my way through it. And in this movie, it primarily takes place on the lakeside in a Swedish like village. And I've never been to Sweden, but it's one of the places that I definitely want to visit at some point in time. So I thought that this movie would be perfect. And I will tell you, the cinematography in this movie was absolutely gorgeous. When it first opens, like you get, you, he totally sets the scene with like, you see the lake and then like the open fields and the sound design also plays a major role in like putting you in the space because you hear like the crickets and the birds and then the sound of the lake water like hitting the rocks and watching it last night with Ben we were both like we need to go to the lake <laughs> like we both like wish we could go because in the summer we usually plan a big trip like somewhere to a lake house and it's both of our dream like go do that like in another country like stay somewhere so I don't know, like, how do you guys feel about like going, like, I know when people say travel, they're always thinking about going to like cities, but I like to go to like some of the country area too. Like, do you guys like to do that? I do not. But um, my, my fiance, Ashley would, uh, would love it if we, her dream is for us to go to like a cabin in the woods where there's like a wood fireplace. That's like her ultimate romantical dream. And I'm like, I would love a city where we can walk around and drink a lot of wine and see a lot of people. And that is not, doesn't mesh. I feel like when I travel abroad, it's very city-based. But when I travel domestically, you know, we try to include, it's more varied. Uh, but I think no matter where I'm staying, I do try to get out to some sort of outdoor green space, you know, whether it's like a big park or, you know, some taste, even if it's just like a day trip to the countryside, uh, I, you know, I'll try to get some amount of nature in whatever travel I'm doing. So when Ben and I first went to Belgium, the first time we went to Belgium and then we took a train and we went to Paris and we primarily stayed in Brussels um, when visiting Belgium. So it was kind of just going from one city to the other. And then the second trip that we made back there, we decided to go more out to the country. And that's when I really felt like I was immersed in what it was like to live there. There was this one night where we like, we were staying at a bed and breakfast and there wasn't like much in the sense of like dinner options, but the lady told us like, oh, if you take these bikes, you can like bike about a mile down the road and there's like this really great inn to eat at. So we took the bikes out, but oh my God, we had to like bike through a forest. <laughs> That's like my nightmare. That's my literal nightmare. Okay. It was really nice going there when the sun was out, but then when we like got done eating and of course we had like a few beers, we come out and I'm like, Ben, it is pitch dark. Cause there was like no street lights. <laughs> And I was like, so scared, like Jason was going to come out of the woods and murder us. 
Now I'm trying to imagine what a Belgian slasher villain would look like. Oh my god. <laughs> He's carrying like a thing of frites and like a I don't peg. know. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> That's terrible. We're banned in Belgium after this podcast. <laughs> but no, it was it was scary, but at the same point, like I don't know, I felt like we actually experienced a memory, like a trip memory. And not that we don't, you know, I feel do that when we go to a city or anything, but it's just really different. And plus it was also interesting, like no one spoke English really when we were in the country area. So we definitely, again, had to like immerse ourselves more in actually being there because you get kind of lazy, like in the major cities, most people will speak English. So you can kind of get by with just like, I'm an American. But the country, it was like, well, and Ben is better at doing that than I am. Like, I am very, I'm always afraid that I'm going to mess up how I say something and offend them. And I, see, I'm I'm with Ben because I feel like the most offensive mm-hmm. thing I can be is just American. So, like, if I'm working with that as my base, right. then, like, <laughs> I only have up to go. Yeah. So, but I wanted to get back to the movie. I mean, as for the story, Like, I did enjoy the story as well. Like, it's basically about this woman who is, at the time of the movie, 28 years old. And then she ends up going back to this lakeside village where she recalls basically a summer fling that she had had there, like, 13 years prior. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I will tell you, I was not prepared for, like, how heartbreaking the story got so you just want to be kind of warned. I didn't. I didn't think it was going to get sad, um, but it did. I I mentally, whether rightfully or wrongfully, because I've only seen one of his movies, I associate Bergman with sadness. So I, <laughs> yeah, same, I would not be same. surprised. But otherwise, it was absolutely a gorgeous film. And similar with what Jamie said, I did just want to mention too, along the lines of like foreign films. There are some other movies that I've watched and probably within the past couple years that have inspired me to want to travel to other locations. Like Japan is a big example. I really had no interest in going there until I started watching more Japanese films. And actually, I credit um, your fiance, Ashley Jane, because she was kind of the one that has pushed me into more foreign film watching. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah, it's because she wrote about so many of them over the past years in Movie John. And I'm like, this is a blind spot for me. Like, I I haven't explored these films. Watching some of these Japanese films, like, now I want to go there. The culture just seems so interesting to me. And especially after, like, I watched, um, and I think I saw, Jamie, you watched it too recently, Good Morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that movie. It was so good. And Tampopo, I don't know if you've watched that one yet. I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah, I love Tampopo. Yeah. So like, I really think when you watch foreign films too, what's neat is that you really have to pay attention. It's kind of like, I know, Ryan, we've talked about this before with silent films. You mm-hmm. you have to really just give yourself to the movie. Like you can't get distracted with your phone because you have to read dialogue. And I like that. Because I feel when I'm watching an American film, it's so easy to just like, oh, I'm going to look at my phone real quick. 
see what's going on on Instagram. And then I miss something where it's like foreign films. I just put my phone away because I'm like, I need to pay attention to what's being said. Yeah. I'm also a little bit more choosy about when I'll put on a foreign film because I want to make sure that I'm going to like be in the mood to pay attention. Mm -hmm. But, but I agree. Like they, sometimes they have that effect where like, it's not that I actually, you know, can understand or speak French or Japanese or whatever language, but sometimes watching a foreign movie, it gets to the point where you're immersed, where your brain is like, you forget you're reading the subtitles and you're like, oh, I understand exactly what they're saying. And because you've just fallen into the movie so much. Yeah, I agree. And I am trying to learn to like move past like, okay, I need to just put it into the, the DVD player or just put it on because to your point, like once I start watching it, I like forget I'm reading the subtitles, especially if it's a good film, like then I'm just immersed in it and it's, it, it doesn't bother me anymore. And not that I should say it bothers me, but I know what you mean about like, sometimes you're just like, I'm tired. Yep. I mean, frequently I'm tired. (laughs) I'm like that. Like every day I'm tired. I'm going to watch steel magnolias again. Like I'm going to watch it again, or I'm going to watch a Julia Roberts movie again. But if somebody is looking to travel and they don't feel like reading subtitles, I always recommend, I love Casablanca. And that's what made, that's what made me want to go to Paris. Honestly, like I still remember when I went to Paris for the first time, I did think it was as magical as the movies. Like I, I loved being in Paris. And what I think is so impressive about Casablanca and also uh, Key Largo, which I recently watched is that filmed entirely on the back lot and yet they feel (laughs) like they're in a foreign country which i just think is really impressive that is yeah like that's not a knock against it at all it's just uh like i said i think it it adds another layer of like oh man the movie is just magic so what did you pick ryan so uh i picked a movie because i i thought about this question a lot because i too i'm often i love to travel i'm often inspired to travel by the movies and I wanted to pick one that like was a place that I could really visit. So that ruled out some period movies that I was thinking about. And uh, I ended up picking a movie that we actually covered on uh, my other podcast that I do with my wife, The Shame Files, uh, Local Hero, uh, which is a 1983 film uh, filmed and set mostly in Scotland. Um, it's actually one of my father-in-law's favorite movies that he talked about all the time. And so when we found out it was getting a Criterion release, it became a must-purchase. And sitting down to watch it, I didn't really know what to expect. So it's about uh, Mac, played by Peter Reigert. He is your, like, literally from Central Casting, 1980s uh, executive working for an oil company in Houston. The eccentric... Uh, company head uh, Felix, played by Burt Lancaster, uh, sends him to Scotland to acquire a village named Furness to make way for a refinery. He sends Mac to do it because Mac, his full name is McIntyre, which sounds Scottish, even though his parents or his ancestors picked his name when they came to America from Hungary. <laughs> Haver, uh, Burt Lancaster, who is also an astronomy buff, like tells him to like to watch the sky and call if he like sees anything unusual and with that he like sets out uh to go to this remote scottish village he teams up with a local representative of the company played by peter capaldi who later was doctor who for a little while and so he goes to this town and it's just it's a really like 
the how they get to the town they end up sleeping in the car and they're surrounded by this just crazy fog and so it almost feels like they're entering like another dimension when really it's just remote scotland you know and Furness, the town in the film was played by real scottish towns uh they you know the person who runs the local hotel is also a lawyer is also an accountant you know and he's running it all out of his house it's a very funny movie it's very i don't want to say that's over it's not overly sweet but it's one of those like low conflict movies where you can kind of tell that based just based on the tone like everything's kind of going to work out in the end but the way that it works out is always surprising and interesting and one of the the key pieces of iconography from the movie is that there's one phone in the town and it's this phone booth that's like right off the beach uh, and the real town, because so many people were visiting it, actually put up a phone booth because they mm-hmm. didn't actually have one. So that when people were, so that when tourists came to visit, they could like take their pictures and everything. So it's it, it's a really, it's a really, it's it's kind of a quirky comedy, especially with the Burt Lancaster character. And, you know, Mac meets a lot of interesting people in this Scottish town, including a Soviet sea captain that often will like park on shore and, and come into the town and stuff. So he he really like comes to learn to love the place and i think that's part of why i picked it is because there's so many times where i'm traveling and i'm like yeah i could live here i could make this work <laughs> like you know i've been here for a day and a half and yet you know i'm already falling in love with the place and like picking out like where i would want to live you know oh i i've definitely <laughs> done that like especially I, well specifically when we went to hawaii i was like well i'll see you later you <laughs> You could just send all of my things and Foxy here. And I'm just saying, I actually watched Local Hero, but quite a bit ago. But I I feel like the way you've just described it is like kind of the sense of like how I felt when we went out in the country in Belgium, because like you're actually with the locals and people that live there or have lived there forever. Mm -hmm. And it's more... Like, oh, this is authentic. Because when you go, like, to the bigger city, like, in Brussels, it's funny because obviously they know a lot of Americans come there because of the beer. Uh, So you're getting more of, I would say, like, the larger produced beers. But then, like, when you go out to the country area, it's like, no, this is stuff like somebody's making this in their house. Or it's being made by monks, which was like a really cool tour like that we went on when we went out to that country area. So I, I, I liked the movie because Local Hero really shows like, no, this is what this place is really like. So you're mm-hmm. getting an authentic take. Yep. And the director, Bill Forsyth, you know, he's Scottish. And so it really, you know, even though like it has uh, like American leads, um, I think it does a really good job showcasing Scotland in general and the culture and uh, the people there. Yeah, I also like the part about the phone booth because it's funny, like, especially, well, now it's different. It's more easier to get phone service when you do travel, like, internationally. But initially, it was, like, so difficult so or expensive. So I remember the first time, like, we went to Europe, we had no phones except when we were on Wi-Fi, uh, which can be a little scary when you're used to just being able to look things up or or call someone. So I, I, I like that aspect of the story as well. So I haven't seen this, um, but I have heard of it. 
this description sounds really, is it, it's, I'm assuming it's a comedy. Is that right? Like it's more comedic than anything or. Yeah, it, it's comedy, but it, it's sort of, it's very dry comedy. Yes. Um, so it's not a lot of huge gags. It's a lot of like, wait, did he just say what I think he said? Or, I mean, one one example that I really love is uh, as they're driving out into, you know, far northern Scotland, Mac and Olsen, who uh, is played by Peter Capaldi, they hit a rabbit. Oh, right. Um, yes. And they, they take it with them <laughs> to try to rehabilitate it because they feel bad for hitting the rabbit with the car. And then the um, they're sitting at the like in slash lawyer's office slash whatever that they're staying in, and uh, they're like serving him dinner. And they're, it's like, oh, it's like they're serving them rabbit. And he's like, oh, rabbit. Like, <laughs> wait, where's our rabbit? And he's like, oh, I told you there weren't any animals allowed in the guest room. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and so it it does have that kind of like I said, it, it's a humorous tone, but it's not a you know out and out kind of American style broad comedy. It's a much because it's a pretty dry sense of humor. I was just going to say that like the, the actor who plays Mac, Peter Reigert, is in one of my favorite movies. Me and my dad love this movie from 1991 called Oscar with Sil- Sylvester Stallone. It's, it's like Sylvester Stallone's like stab at comedy. And it didn't do very well, but... I, my dad and I are obsessed with this movie. Like sometimes we will just spontaneously break out into quotes from it and people have no idea what we're talking about because no one's really seen this movie. So I'm going to side plug Oscar and Peter Reiger. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because Oscar, the VHS copy has been sitting in our living room for like two weeks. Ben had brought it up from the basement and was like, you need to watch this movie and I've been kind of resistant because I'm like, uh, Stallone. It's great. No, please watch it. Please, 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 please watch okay. it. I love it. Because he, he, he's been wanting to rewatch it. It's, the cast is amazing. The people that pop up are like, it's like Donna Michi and Chaz Palminteri and uh, who else? Um, oh, there's just so many. There's so many great actors in it. Yeah, and I, I would say just to go back to, to Ryan's local hero pick, I feel like the movie is just really quirky. Mm-hmm. Like what you're saying, it's not slapstick comedy. And a lot of the characters are even kind of snarky, like a bit. I feel especially when they realize like why um, Mac is there. Yeah, and I, I like that they show a mix of emotions because one of the funny things about it is that like you would think that the town would become immediately hostile to him, but they don't want him to know that they know why he's there because they want a bunch of them want to cash in. And so the push pull is between this guy who travels to this village, falls in love with it, and the locals who are you know, can only see, you know, dollar signs right. um, from this deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's kind of a fun, you know, and, and that all plays into, again, the comedy of the thing. And, you know, like I said, it has a very charming ending. But, you know, if there's ever a movie that would make anyone want to visit remote Scotland, uh, which looks, yeah, I mean, very cold and gray in the movie, but again, also very charming and just, you know, kind of a fun place to hang out and, you know, lose yourself a little bit. Well, and that's a good point. When you're looking to go to a place This is something that I feel Ben and I didn't really start doing till a few years prior, but like actually looking up what the weather is like during the different seasons, because we have gone on trips. Like when we went to Belgium last time, 
I think it was around September or October. And apparently that's like their rainy season. So like every day we woke up and it was gray, which you're right. Watching local hero, like it's always, it was always like foggy there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something important when you're going to travel, like make sure you look up like the weather patterns. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> otherwise you'll end up as we were, we, when we stayed out in the country, you know, we were hoping to bike around quite a bit. And then that kind of got derailed because of the rain. So we ended up having to take a shuttle, but that like rarely ran out out there like it was like oh once every three hours so if you went somewhere you were basically like stuck there till the shuttle came back i mean i also just enjoy driving in foreign countries uh including where i have to drive on the opposite side of the road so i will i will resort to it i can't believe you do that that's uh, that's insanity to me like pure insanity uh when we went we uh did our honeymoon in uh, we we stayed in London and we stayed in Paris, but for part of the time that we stayed in London, we took a day trip and drove out to mm. uh, Stonehenge and then we drove to Cardiff in Wales. Uh, it's like a two hour drive and the people at the rental <laughs> car agency thought we were insane because it's so far uh, because they live on a tiny island. And I was like, oh no, like we're from Philly and we drive to New York and that's like two hours and we, we do that in a day trip all the time. But it's really the, like the highway driving isn't bad because you're just on the opposite side of the car because mm -hmm. all the traffic is going with you. But on the smaller roads, it's really when you're like coming around a corner yeah, and like there's a truck coming the other way, and in your brain you're like, I'm going to run head into this truck because just, it's just the way your muscle, like your brain's like muscle memory works. Uh, but I, I found it a really fun, fun challenge, and uh, I got really used to driving through roundabouts. So you didn't scream? Did you scream at all? I would be screaming. Uh, I didn't scream <laughs> because I was too afraid to scream. But my my wife definitely uh, might have screamed at least at least once. <laughs> yeah, well, I still am impressed. Jamie biked in Amsterdam. Oh my god! When Ben and I went there, Ben and I both bike all around Philadelphia. And you know, some people are always asking me, "How do you do that? Like in the city? Oh my god, aren't you scared?" And when we went to Amsterdam, we were like, we're going to bike, we're going to, you know, rent them and, and bike all over the place. And when we got there, it was like freaking yeah. scary. And there's so many. It's like, it's like there's no one around you. And then all of a sudden there's 80 people on bikes. They just, and they're all like flying by you. And they're, I, I hadn't, there's, <laughs> I was peer pressured into biking by my sister. My sister was like, we're doing this and I don't care what the fuck you say. And I was like, okay, I hadn't been on a bike in probably 15 or 20 years. So I was literally dying inside. I only fell once. I fell, I actually drove into a parked car, which I don't know how I did that. I totally did it. And um, I fell off the bike and a bunch of people came a very nice uh, Amsterdam folks came to help me. But after I fell the first time, then I didn't fall a second time. So that was good. But yeah, it's a scary. They own the road. They own the road. Like the bikers. And like you said, one minute you'll see like three. And then all of a sudden there's like a pack of them. If I biked in Amsterdam, I almost guarantee I would fall in a, into a canal. <laughs> Uh, I tried to stay away from canals for that very purpose. Yeah. We made the mistake of staying on a canal, which was very interesting. 
I'll leave it at that. <laughs> That's for the next episode. It's a little cliffhanger for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask uh, Jamie where people can find uh, more of her. Oh, yeah. Um, I Most of the time, you will find me on Twitter. I haven't posted anything interesting lately outside of things about Guy Fieri, who I, or Fieri, however you say his name, because <laughs> quarantining, I've watched a lot of quality Guy Fieri programming, including Triple D, which is drivers, diners, drive-ins, and dives, and Triple G, which is Guy's Grocery Games. I have I have been turned on to the Guy Fieri charm. So if you love Guy Fieri, you'll love my recent tweets. Um, I've also been tweeting a little bit about Animal Crossing, which is not exciting in any way. Um, but I'm at Twitter. My handle is Jamie Lee Davis, J-A-I-M-E-L-E-A-H Davis. Uh, I totally sh- forgot about uh, Flavor Town as a possible travel destination for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, why didn't I do that? I'm so bummed. Why you should have messaged me and said, "Jamie, go to Flavor Town," and I would have, I would have picked the best recent episode of GGG <laughs> Triple G that I've watched. What is Flavor Town? <laughs> oh, it, it's <laughs> uh, Jamie as the expert. You can go ahead and, and explain. Well, first of all, it's not a literal place. It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind, Rosalie. It's um, an expression that he uses to, uh, that describes something that that is quite tasty on the palate. Um, It's usually reserved for something out of of this world deliciousness. Um, So if you watch Triple D, which is Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, he may say like, "Oh, that's a one-way ticket to Flavor Town" or something like that. So he is outrageous. That's you. If you're if you're a chef, if you're a chef or you know a cook or something, you want to go to Flavor Town. Like you want him to say he's in Flavor Town. It's like it's it's a positive thing. And usually that reaction will come from like taking two or three different appetizers or sandwiches and combining them with some <laughs> sort of housemade sauce. Oh my god, that is spicy. <laughs> <laughs> he he is true. so outrageous. I the only thing I remember recently is my friend Mike, who lives in New York. He wanted to go to his restaurant, but I think it's closed now. I don't think I don't think it's operating any longer. I think it's just closed for quarantine for COVID. But I'm I think it's still the Times Square one. I I thought was still open. Yeah, like people love that. They love it. Yeah, we're like the platters are like eight thousand calories, and everything has donkey yep. sauce on it. You want the donkey sauce? If you ask, if they ask, do you want donkey sauce on that? What do you say, Rosalie? Maybe. No. You want to go to Flavor Town? Remember, I want to go to Flavor Town. I want. Right, I want the donkey sauce. Donkey sauce is like a shuttle <laughs> to Flavor Town. All of this is terrifying to me. It's a one-way trip, one-way shuttle. It's a channel, if you will, to Flavor Town. Much like when you take the train from London to Paris. It's true. That is what donkey sauce is. But the American is. version, clearly. Is... <laughs> right. I'll, I'll take I'll take both of your words for it. So, Ryan, what about you? Where can people discover you? <laughs> they can find uh, more of me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Slober whatever. That's with a B. And you can find my writing uh, in the pages of Movie John as well as on Cinema76.com. Yes. And before we sign off, 
Don't forget, you can find a breakdown of the episodes on moviejohn.com under MJ Podcasts. And you can also subscribe to the quarterly print zine that we make. And actually, you both are featured in this upcoming issue that features movies about the future. So go ahead to moviejohn.com to subscribe. And then as for the program, we do have a Twitter account, which is at I saw in a movie, so you can tweet to us. Or if you want to send in a question, if you're looking for advice, you can reach us at dear I saw it in a movie at gmail.com. We also, we haven't gotten any yet because I actually just checked the P.O. box yesterday. But if you want to send us a letter, you can do so at P.O. box 20172. Philadelphia, PA, 19145, attention, movie, movie John. And as for me, I'm also on Twitter as well at Bonjour Old Sport and Letterbox Rosalie Kicks. So, Jamie, one of the things we like to do is at the end of the episode, we give a piece of advice um, from the movies that we watched. Is, yes. Do you have a piece of advice from To Catch a Thief? If Grace Kelly comes to you and she's got a picnic basket... With chicken and beer, you always, you say yes and you go with her. Even though the drive seems like it could be very harrowing and scary, you just go because the pay, the, the, the payout is going to be amazing. <laughs> it's a one-way ticket to Flavortown. <laughs> oh my huh. God. Beautiful. A way to just tie that all in. <laughs> wow. Wow. I never thought we would be talking Fiat- about guys. Fieri. Fiori. Fiori. Fieri. Fieri. Fiori. That's his new name. We'll know him. Um, movie John will now call him Guy Fiori. How about you, Ryan? Do you have a piece of advice? I do. And, and this comes from uh, Victor, the aforementioned Soviet sea captain, uh, talking about the uh, max surprise at the local townspeople wanting to sell out. And he goes, it's their place, Mac. They have a right to make of it what they can. Besides, you can't eat scenery. <laughs> I got to watch this movie. Yeah, I wonder if it's actually on the channel right now. It was. It was. It was in March. I think it, it, I think it came off. Um, yes. But you know what? Usually with the ones that they actually have physical copies of, they, they tend to pop up again, like pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rosalie, do you have a piece of advice? I do. And it actually is from one of the characters in Summer Interlude that I didn't even talk about because I didn't like him. <laughs> but I but I liked what he said. It was from her uncle Erland. And he said, nothing means anything in the long run, which to me, this is saying like, you know, you should really just take the trip or put yourself out there, like try new things. Because basically, when we leave this earth, nothing matters. So like we should take chances to explore. And I thought that that was a good thing to like think about, especially when you're looking to go to another country or on a trip somewhere. Even if you're a little scared, you should just try it. All right. So um, thanks, Jamie, for joining us. And obviously we welcome you back anytime. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, Just remember that for every question, there's a movie with the answer. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.